Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solution. Thanks for listening to another hopefully interesting talk, this time about PFAS. What is it? What does that have to do with the refrigeration business? And what are we supposed to do? Jörg Saar will make us a bit cleverer on the subject. Good morning, Jörg. Good to see you. Hello, Jens. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. And I hope you're fine as well. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, as usual, fine. Okay. Uh, Jörg, today we, we're going to talk a bit more about something that has puzzled the minds of certain people in uh, the environmental uh, brain trusts here and there, I guess. It's about PFAS and refrigeration mm. system. Um First of all, what is PFAS? Um, that's uh, that's an abbreviation. Uh, yeah, that's not surprising, right? PFAS, that's not <laughs> a word by itself. That's an abbreviation. And it stands for, and I hope I get that right, PEA and polyfluoroalkyl um, alkyls, or however that is pronounced. I don't know exactly. And that's a family of quite a lot of substances. These substances are man-made. They don't exist in nature. And they were made the first time in the 1940s. And these substances, they have quite some interesting properties. So they they are resistant to water, oil, um, they, they might have a very low friction, they are resistant to heat, to ultraviolet light, they are resistant to natural chemical processes, to microorganisms and so on. So from a technical point of view, pretty interesting stuff and that's why they are used for for gaskets for lubrications for for isolators for for um yeah clothes if if you have um firefighting equipment if if you if you have something to cook with if you have patch, packaging stuff um, if you have wax for your skis, if you have comet cosmetics, colors, whatever, you name it, in, in many, many technical applications, you find these substances because they have these, these interesting, interesting properties that I've mentioned before. But due to the fact that they are so resistant, resistant to microorganisms and natural chemical processes, there is nothing in nature which, which can degrade these products. And that means that you kind of collect them um, in nature, in plants, in animals, and even in humans. Now, the question is, is that a problem? Well, some of these substances 
um, we have daily contact to these substances and, and they are okay for us. We, we don't have a problem with that. Some others, they are seen as problematic. They might help to create cancer. They might uh, create problems with the development of, of, of humans when, when you are very young and all that kind of stuff. And that's why there are discussions going on to somehow limit the use of, of these substances. In Europe, for example, there, there was an initiative from five men, member states of the European Union, and they said, we want to have a regulation, and that would be in the REACH regulation in Europe, to limit the use of these of these substances and maybe not only those substances itself but um, the substances which are used to produce them and stuff when they when they some somehow when, when you have another chemical that degrades and might degrade into PFAS which then is accumulating in nature yeah wow that's that was a, a long lot. one, and I hope it, it yeah. was reasonably understandable. But I, I, I kind of understand why some people are referring to it as the forever chemical, sort yes. of the 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 forever monster lurching in 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 the nature to to grab your heels or whatever it does. It's 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 uh, apparently also, or at least some of them, you you may. Uh, have cancer from some of these uh, PFAS uh, uh, um, chemicals. Is is that's my understanding at least? I mean, I'm I'm not the expert there, but yes, that's my understanding as well. That at least some of these many thousand substances support the creation of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sort of coming back to to uh, the refrigeration or the business re of refrigeration, are there any PFAS in the uh, refrigerants that we're using? Yeah, that's that's an interesting discussion because there is a discussion going on that we might no longer have many of the fluorinated refrigerants that we use today in case a PFAS limitation is going to be implemented. Um, the interesting thing is that those refrigerants themselves, they are not PFAS, they, that they don't belong to the PFAS family. So you might wonder, so what? Why are we talking about that? Well, when these refrigerants um, leak out of a system and get into the atmosphere, then you have you have a degradation of refrigerants. And um, they can degrade into something that is called TFA, which is trifluoride um, acid. And, and this stuff, that then falls under the TFA and, and we don't want to have that one. And that's why we talk about a limitation of refrigerants, because some of these refrigerants they degrade into TFA. Some of them completely 
degrade into TFA. So uh, one kilo of refrigerant completely degrades into, into TFA or some others degrade only in part. So only a bit of that refrigerant degrades into TFA and into other stuff as well. But that's that's the connection, this TFA. Right. So the question is, is TFA anything new? No, not at, not at all. It's something that we know. So it's a known substance. We use that in the organic chemistry. It's a pretty strong organic acid. And you should not you should not uh, breathe that in. You should not have contact with your skin on on that because it it's doing quite some damage there. And even in smaller concentrations, it generates a problem for for animals who live in the water. Mm. And that's why there are quite some regulations how to handle TFA, how to get rid of TFA when you use TFA in the lab or in in another chemical process. Now these these regulations exist and you might say, okay, then where's the problem if we have these regulations? Well, the challenge is that in the lab you have the TFA you know where it is you have it in the lab you can handle it however if it if you get a refrigerant into the atmosphere it degrades in the atmosphere and it it's somewhere um so you don't know where it is and now that we talk about that there are different opinions whether tfa is generated via natural processes so generated in in nature as well. For example, if you have a volcano under the sea, um, there might be a TFA generation. So there are different opinions whether there is a lot of TFA already there and whether that bit of TFA that we generate um, via this degradation is a problem or not. Just, just to mention that. However, it seems there is an agreement that the, the TFA kind of stays very long as well. And uh, the, the question is, will TFA be degraded on a natural, in a natural process? And if not, then we have an accumulation. And that's why, again, there is that idea to reduce, to reduce the accumulation, or at least to reduce the additional TFA that would come in via stuff that we humans produce like the refrigerant which would then degrade in in the atmosphere yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a bit tough this 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 uh topic here but uh let's go on with it um Jörg, you you mentioned the reach uh regulation at some point uh could you please sort of expand a bit on that what is reach? Well, it's another it's another abbreviation. It's a it's um, something that is used. That regulation is used in Europe, and the abbreviation stands for registration, evaluation, authorization, and restriction of chemicals. So that means it's a regulation that 
that um, tells you what to do with certain chemicals and what not to do. It, it tells you which chemicals or which stuff you should not use as well. And uh, there are many, many things which are regulated in REACH already in Europe. An example might be lead. So if you solder something, you you quite often have lead in that solder material. Or if you have if you have brass, then you might have a little bit of lead in the brass itself. And REACH says, well, you should get rid of that. And it has set certain times when you need to get rid of that and certain limits and so on. So it, it really gives specifications what not to use, what kind of, of chemical stuff not to use. And the idea is now to bring in these, these or bring in PFAS into the REACH regulation. And that means um, if we bring in the PFAS only, then refrigerants would not be in. But if we bring in degradation products which generate PFAS, like the refrigerants, which some or some of them generate um, TFA when they degradate, if that comes into into the REACH regulation, then the refrigerants would be hit by that REACH regulation as well. What about other components in the refrigeration system? If we look at the PFAS, I could imagine there might be some places where that's being used in uh, the components used in a refrigeration system. Uh, yes, as as mentioned before, that's that's a family of of many thousands of of um, substances, and they are used in in many many places in our our technical world today whether you have gaskets whether you have uh, an insulation for your motor winding whether you have a, a layer of of these substances on a bearing to to make that more resistant towards a certain time when there is not enough oil and and so on so many of these substances are used in many technical areas and that means that would have an influence on components in the refrigeration system teflon for example is one of these of these um, pfas substances teflon itself is is not the problem but um, during production of teflon but still teflon might be impacted and of course then we use Teflon gaskets in, in refrigeration systems and that would have an influence. And that would be the same on other areas like cars, aircrafts. We talk about electronics where, where we have these um, insulation, where we have that insulation material. We have clothes where you have um, waterproof uh, gear, for example, that would be impacted in the medical area and so on. So in addition to, to refrigerants, in case we get the degradation products into the regulation, um, in addition to that, we, we would see quite some impact on, on any technical area when we see a strong reduction of PFAS. 
Yeah, I see. Um, Jörg, uh, the last question about PFAS. Uh, again, one of these questions that may not be easy to answer. Do we know, do we have any idea of when these refrigerants that may cause uh, PFAS will be banned? No. <laughs> Um, we we don't know how a regulation would look like. There is a discussion going on right now. There is a first proposal, yes. And for Europe, there is a probability that some kind of regulation will come via this REACH regulation. As you can hear, um, I'm saying probability, probably, and will come, and so on. So we don't mm. have we don't have fixed dates. We don't have fixed statements. It's unclear whether refrigerants are going to be in that reach regulation or not. What happened for for Europe um, is that there were five member states, and they said we give an, a proposal to something called the European Chemical Agency and they then need to check whether that proposal is okay or not, whether that complies to certain requirements. And that's a normal, a normal procedure, a normal procedure to start a regulation. So it's nothing special kind of here. That's a normal procedure that somebody can give a proposal and then people look into that and that's what's currently going on so the european chemical agency has checked whether the legal requirements seem to be okay yes and and has published that proposal and that was in february 2023 and that's when a six month period started where everybody can give a feedback to that proposal and there is a lot of feedback because you have these these impacts on all areas of of our technical life um, and and that's why there is a lot of of feedback on that proposal now the feedback will be evaluated and from all that evaluation there will be a new proposal which is going to the eu commission it's unclear how that new proposal will look like. And then we go to the normal procedure that the EU Commission will publish that proposal and the Commission will have a discussion with the Parliament and with the uh, Council, the European Council. And they need to agree whether they want to have a regulation and how the regulation will look like in detail. Quite often, those three have different ideas. We don't know how the ideas of those three look like at the moment. If they have different ideas, they need to discuss and come to a compromise. Since we don't know how the ideas look like, um, we don't know how the compromise will look like. All of that is a is a normal procedure, just to mention that again. So, but that procedure is going on now. So as soon as we have a first compromise proposal, then we start to have a more solid base how a future potential regulation might look like. 
And the expectation is that we don't get that before mid or end 2024. And until then, uh, I don't see a real base to, to, to give some solid statements what to expect. Even if there is something by the end of 2024 and um, we would have a published regulation, then typically we have longer times in that regulation to to say, well, from, from that point onwards, this specific material can no longer be used in the following applications. These longer times are there to provide the the possibility to adapt to to the fact that it is then no longer available but we we don't know how anything looks like or is going to look like no i don't know which is more complicated chemistry or politics that's uh, that's for sure i mean if if you look at the procedures you have to go through in the european union etc cetera, etc cetera, that's uh, pretty uh, uh complicated but that's Correct. It. however it i mean the good thing is that there is this proposal now and then there is the, the six month where everybody really everybody every organization every single person can give comments on that and they need to be evaluated and that's the idea that, that yeah. everybody can give a feedback and say well uh, but have in mind this is going to happen if you do that um that's democracy right it's yeah and 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 then you have the the three the three parties which then um, might have different opinions about that commission parliament and council and they need to come to an agreement so that's the idea that that many thoughts go into that and that we end up with something that is acceptable despite the fact that that um, it's something where you say Oof, that's going to be challenging yeah but then hopefully acceptable because it's a compromise yeah exactly exactly Jörg, this was uh, extremely interesting, a bit uh, hairy, to put it that way. Uh, but uh, I hope also our listeners has sort of gotten uh, an impression of what is going on and what may come along our lines, etc. So thank you so much, Jörg, for this time. You're welcome and talk to you soon again. Yeah. Thank you, Jörg. Thanks, Jens. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening in on this podcast. You're very welcome to post your questions in the social medias where you find Danfoss, typically LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. Thank you so much and remember to keep cool even when things are running hot.